This is the View from the Bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 5th of November, 2019. My name is Patrick Smith. Yes, it's the 5th of November. And uh, those of you that know, know that I, I actually live in Manchester. So it's Guy Fox night over here. And if you hear a lot of banging outside, it's definitely just fireworks. Um, it's been a good week for the Belfast Giants. Six points out of uh, three possible games. Two wins over the Coventry Blaze, one win on television over the Five Flyers, and plenty to talk about. Also, a new signing in Ryan Lerney, and we'll be talking later in the show with the testimonial hero himself, Mark Garside. But first up, Mr. McJimsey, how are you? I'm okay, Paddy. Obviously, with you being in Manchester and me also being on the uh, mainland, I am... Um... Mainland? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's also bonfire night here. But to be honest, it's just not bonfire night. I've been around like the state here, and I haven't seen one bony. So like, I don't even know what the point of it is. August, September, October, November. It's four months too late for you, isn't it? <laughs> As you say, it might be November, but every month's March. <laughs> and also this week, join us, Mr. Joel Neal. How are you? Yeah, it's all good, Paddy. Good to be back, boys. Angry Lauren Man, he was described as earlier today, I heard. I could not be any less angry. Lauren Bay Balmina 3 0 at the weekend, and the Giants are uh, on a sick game streak. What, what could be wrong in life right now? Absolutely correct. Right, well, let's get stuck into these games for the Belfast Giants. Like I said, three games over the course of the last week, two away from home, one at the SSE Arena. 14 goals scored, five goals conceded, and six points in the bag in the league title race as the Giants attempt to retain that title. Uh, let's start with that fifth game on free sports. A 4-1 win for your Belfast chance. Goals coming from Rain Gretzky, Redix, Pellich, and an empty net from Farnham. The Flyers goal coming from Gauthier. In regards to goal, uh, Morrison, 33 saves, own 35. Your referees were Toby Craig and Pavel Hallis, who did not have one slashing call in the whole game. Uh, missing was, uh, was Forsberg. Davey, <laughs> a solid performance from the Belfast chance, I have to say. Yeah, kind of, kind of a six-one game, really, wasn't mm. it? We could probably, we'll probably come on to that than the uh, mm-hmm. five net pegs, but um, yeah, like I think the Giants opened up pretty well in the first period. We can, we contained the five flyers pretty well. We played uh, across the three games a, a real high ozone pressure game where we, we pinned them in, and that's kind of been a, it's kind of been a bit of a we'll call it a tactic over the last lot of games where we're pinning teams in and, and we're getting a lot of we're getting changes on the on the on the back end. We're getting even forward line changes while we're keeping them pinned in. Good cycle going down, getting good shots away from the point. We, we've got traffic in these last few games. We made Morrison work really really hard, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the the fact that he he was kicking the post off whenever he was getting the opportunity, but um, you know limiting them to a five on three opportunity for their only goal at home. They're a dangerous team in that little barn. And, um, you know, getting that goal, the goal from Rain was was a beauty. The way he pokes it through, the, you know, comes off the wall, he pokes it through the little behind-the-back pass, and then he pokes it through the D-man's legs, turns, shoots. Um, it's a clever off. play off the wall as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's Curtis Hamlin drops it, is, it into yeah. him, is it? Um, and he, he finishes it, I think, Paul Lady or... Um, Aaron Murphy can't remember which one says you know he finished at like a a thirty goal thirty goal goal scorer so you know that's 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 brilliant for him you know he he's came up with a few few big goals and this uh, player of the month month of his and uh, 
you know, then we obviously would get the goal with Reddicks as well. Puts us in a, a kind of comfortable position. We had the other two goals that were, one was ruled out for obviously the net being off. The other one, whether it was a fantastic glove save, we didn't have goal line technology in the night. So that's another subject altogether. So we couldn't decide whether that was in or not. And, you know, that would have put us in a, a real comfortable position. Matt Pellets takes a, a roughing penalty for, you know, okay. And in hindsight, it's probably not a great penalty for him to take, but there's others just roughing just as much. And I think that's probably what Swinney gets his um, his uh, abusive official penalty for to put us on a full two minute five one three, which unfortunately we can't uh, see out. They've come up with a, a, a good shot from the high slot, bit of traffic in front of uh, Shane Owen, who was, who was really, really good. He's been really pretty good over the last two, three weekends now after a, you know, maybe a shaky, you know, coming out of the CHL playing a lot of hockey. I think he had maybe six or seven games in like mm. 12, 13 days. So that that night off that Stephen Murphy was able to give him as well was has really helped him out. And, you know, I think we went on comfortable enough. We got the two goals. That lovely Matt Pellage goal, I think he takes it from his own end of the ice, lays it off, goes in, gets a big, big tip on it and takes it over Martian Solar, finishes the game. Okay, Bobby Farnham you know, runs it up with the, runs it up the 4-1 with the empty netter, which... Uh, I don't really count against us, against us, don't really count for us that much, but uh, looks a good, solid victory, and, and that's what it was. Davy has brought up there, Joel, a couple of the flashpoints that were during the game, not least the fact that it seemed to happen time and time again, that any time Morrison was under any sort of significant pressure, his skate went into the posts and off came the net. Now, do you... Th- I'm not going to suggest... for No, I am. I'm going to suggest that yeah. Morrison... <laughs> I'm going to suggest that Morrison uses that as he as best he can. Yeah, look, I remember having this conversation the last time this nonsense happened. Five, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, you know the the difference between Morrison and Owen, and I tried to be the the eternal optimist and say, you know, it could be a difference in styles. Morrison might push off the post a little more than Shane Owen does when he's butterflying or when he's transitioning, whatever. But it seems to be that it's happening almost too much now for it to be that kind of coincidence. Um, Paddy, just. Uh, over anything else, this is something that bugs me. Whether it be go- uh, goal pegs, goal line technology, whatever, uh, you know, both sides had goals washed off. So, I mean, if I can, you know, co- conceivably argue that that it's uh, a solely a, a home uh, ice advantage thing, equipment, basic equipment that should be mandatory and standardized in the elite league should not be the focal point of games, let alone a game that was on TV. That's free sports' spectacle of the EIHL for the week, and it becomes this debacle with uh, goalies kicking pegs off, with there being no goal line technology, which I had understood anyway was now a standardized thing in the league. Referees had the ability to go to video review. It shouldn't be what we're talking about. It's these peripherals that, like, refereeing and bad calls, pegs off, whatever else. We should not be talking about those. We keep talking about how the Elite League is getting better and better every single year, better imports, higher quality, higher level of competition, and yet Twitter after a game uh, and and all of the the think pieces and blogs and whatever else are dominated by these kinds of nonsense stories. And it's just really, it's a bad look for the league. Seven times the net came off in that game, Davey. And and you mentioned as well that the the save from Morrison that the glove seemed to cross the line, but no goal line technology to assess it. And it just you could see the frustration that was being heightened on the Belfast Giants bench and that was frust- frustration they had to cap. Yeah, very, very hard to cap that frustration too, is Jay Paddy, because the the, the the margins between victory and defeat and regulation wins in October 
are so are exactly the same fine lines as they are in the last week of March or the first week of April. You, we I know we harp back, don't like looking back. Last season's done. We've hung the banner, brilliant move on, try and win it again. But we won the league on regulation wins, tied on points, you know. Mm-hmm. One one goal changed our season. Yeah. One goal by a guy who plays for us now, incidentally. But um, you know, in terms of, of that Jordan Smotherman shot, for example, that may or may not have crossed the line, we'll never know because there isn't an overhead angle from Fife on that occasion, despite Premier Sports being in on the night and stuff. But, you know, there are frustrations. I did hear something, I can't remember who I was talking to about the time, about why some teams have the type of net pegs they do and to be the public skating and all these different kind of things. I've talked to Taff enough who knows what he's talking about when it comes to nets and net yeah. pegs and stuff. Every team should just be standardised that the, the pegs are there. How many times did the net come? It takes somebody to run flat out into the nets in the likes of the Odyssey to knock the net pegs off. And Fife and Coventry and Manchester, it's the kind of lightest wee lane of the shoulder on a poster. You just push off and it's out. So until they slightly alter that rule where unless you're winding up and unless you're in the, the midst of the shot and it goes in, the goal's given. They need to, I think they need to alter that. And I think Tom Darnell done it once. I think it might have been last year to Patrick Colleen or somebody. And says like, you're you're getting one warden. He did it again. He got a two-minute delay again penalty. That's the way it's got to be treated. Every time those nets come off, you're on the power play or you're in the penalty kill until you stop doing it or until your club say, you know what, this is starting to cost us points. Because at the minute they're using it as a defence mechanism, they're using it to save themselves on on goal scoring opportunity, create A chances, kick it off, take our chances. And that's 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 what seemed to happen. Maybe I'm being a bit disingenuous. Maybe that's not what Adam Morrison's doing. Maybe that's not what Matt Ginn's doing. But it sure looks like it. The nets came off seven times. What was the split Owen to Morrison there? I think it was six to one or six to or so like, five to two. It was definitely obviously more you know, than Morrison. I can side. remember Shane Owen knocking it off once and it was a shoulder and he he, he fixed it as he fixes it himself. There was another one where you know, the, the, the nets came off, but that was a collision from a D man coming in. Yeah, you know, Shane Owen's going east to west and he somebody's going round behind the net, I think, and the D man might have been going back and he's bumped it with his shoulder. That's how easy it's coming off. And the play goes back up the ice and he just he sort of resets the post himself. Linesman has a wee quick look, thumbs up, okay, on you go. But you know, it's just it's it's costing teams goals and goals points mean prizes in this league. And it, it, while this league is the format it is and the points cost as much or are worth as much in October, something has to be done about it. Also, Davy, you're in the first period, a bit of a, a, a bit of a come together with you know, I think Farnham as well, Mullen and, and Carlo Fanucci, he wanted none of it. Yeah, Mully getting back into back into his stride after missing a few games there, coming back in, uh, just letting it be. No, it's just something and nothing really, isn't it? A bit of a scrum round, and he gives him we just stay away from stay away from my goalie kind of yep. little love tap. I would call that. You know, there wasn't much in it, Paddy. Let's let's move on before in case Dobbs are listening. Before before <laughs> before before move on, uh, Joel. You know, four one win in five away. Considering the the lead, and I think my anger was palpable in last week's podcast. But given the lead we give up in Manchester and how we script those two points to have such a dominant win on the road against Fife was uh, was badly needed from the Giants. 100%. Look, I had said the last time I was on the show before that, that Manchester week, uh, 
that that the defense was doing enough whenever they're on form for the Belfast Giants forwards to win games. You know, we, we were limiting, we were limiting teams to that kind of two goals, one goal, whatever else. And that, to me, uh, that game is is a blueprint example of what the entire team looks like when it's firing. Um, fantastic as well on the offensive side to see Liam Reddick snap a five game drought with that goal. I mean, there uh, there was a little bit of that kind of puck luck for us as well because there arguably would have been a Matt Pellic uh, penalty down the other end of the ice before that play developed. Um, and obviously then Pellets goes on to score the third Farns empty netter and um, just great to see both uh, both cores I guess firing on all cylinders and, and, and it really was a tempo setter for the week uh, the highlights of the game I don't think are online I think it's a premier sports or maybe they are have a google go to YouTube see if you can find them um, <laughs> then the Belfast Giants on the back of that win the five flowers had a home and home series against the Coventry Blaze as I tend to do with when double series like this I'll give you all the stats and then we'll talk about it uh, at home to the Coventry Blaze on Saturday it was a 4-1 win for your Belfast Giants Giants goals come from Lake Ward Smotherman and Hamilton the only Blaze goal coming from Paul Camp saves Phillips 32 Owen 26 your referees were Stefan Hogarth and Blake Copeland and missing for the Giants that night was Forsberg once more then the Giants travelled over to the Sky Dome to take on the Blaze in their gaff and to go a 6-3 win over the home team two goals for Kevin Rian Gretzky uh, Swindlehurst Lake Mullen and Smotherman were the other scorers while for the Blaze two goals for Brawl and Paul Camp once again scoring his second of the weekend with regards to saves and the goalkeepers well, Phillips only played 49 minutes, 31 saves, 6 goals against, took himself out of the game, I believe, and then came Jordan Headley, 10 minutes, 2 saves to make. The other side, Shane Owen, 36 saves, and the goalkeepers were Lewis Sewell, Tom Darnell, and uh, Jean Dupuy was the missing player for the Giants. Joe, I'll start with you. We'll look at Saturday. The Giants with a 4-1 win over a resurgent Coventry Blaze in a game that was both fast and physical. Absolutely. Uh, I took a little bit of stick from you boys for calling this a comfortable win, and I'm sure Davey will have, <laughs> have his take. You knew I was going to bring it up straight away, but I mean, uh, it was certainly that the, the Blaze were, were by no means pushovers, and, and uh, it, it definitely spoke to the Giants' level of compete and, and their persistence throughout the game. Um, you know, it started a bit shaky. Jean Dupuy um, absolutely dropped a boom on Johnny Curran about 15 seconds in. He needed the trainer to get off the ice, and um, that kind of developed later on uh, with obviously uh, Dupuy and uh, David Brawl coming together after a face-off. And and I don't know whether it's maybe some of the sickness in the camp or or that incident that that led to Dupuy missing the next night. But either way, that first period, um, the story of the game, Lewis Hook, phenomenal playmaker all night long. That first goal, he buzzed into the blaze zone. Uh, You're probably down down to the last five minutes or so in the period. Um, Played it across to Lake, who who absolutely rocketed one from kind of the mid-slot. Good 1-0 lead there. Obviously, then there's that coming together between Brawl and and Bobby Farnham. Well, I say coming together. Brawl gets... If you look at it back, Brawl twitched the gloves as in, right, come on, come on. And it was only when there were two referees between him and Bobby, the wrecking ball Farnham. Farnham comes flying in. To be fair, bounces off him a bit. But then when he gets when he when he gets up and he starts to Brawl only actually tends to slightly accept, as you say, when there's officials in the way. Oh yeah. A big whole guy, mass of guy. stripes. <laughs> big guy. Um, but but regardless, 
period. Lewis Hook once again uh, came down into the right hand side of the zone, pulled the put, uh, the puck back from from that kind of right hand side of the crease um, into the path of Brian Ward, and he absolutely roofed Addy past Phillips for the the two nil. Um, you have to hand it to Coventry. Uh, to be fair, they pretty much scored immediately after that. Uh, big response. Uh, I think it was the uh, the German Canadian Dylan Eichstadt. Yep. Um, he he got a shot off, uh, and, and I think one of the one of the forwards got a tip. I'm not sure who it was, um, but oh, he had absolutely no chance with that. And, and suddenly you've got a two-one hockey game. Oh, it's a two-one game. We're playing great. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, Ricky. <laughs> again, uh, scrappy goal by Jordan Smotherman, but again, love to see that battle and, and you know sending guys to the paint and, and digging up greasy, dirty goals because it's what we've been missing. Um, kind of aside from that. Uh, and then obviously a beautiful shorty in the third period for 4-1. I call it comfortable because despite what Coventry brought at us, there was no real period apart from that 2-1 after the Blaze had responded where we really felt in danger. And to be honest, after that shorty, the Blaze were dead in the water. The Giants were nowhere near top gear that last 10 minutes of the game. They really coasted it out. Um, I, I just don't feel like we were challenged in the same way that we were in, in previous weeks. You know, and, and, and there is a sort of yes and a no. In post-game, I talked to Kevin Rain, who said, you know, their forwards sat in the neutral zone a lot and, and there wasn't an awful lot for the D to do. Um, but Ben Lake said it was a real battle up the other end of the ice um but i just i mean that shorthanded goal we pressed so high even on the kill all night and we spent a fair bit of time on the kill um and we almost scored a shorthanded goal before the actual shorthanded goal came along um we outshot them our shots on goal were better nearly 60 percent of our shots were in that kind of hot area around the slot and around the crease i just thought we were the business and and uh it, it's it's certainly not meant as a as a slight to Coventry blaze's effort i just thought that we were the superior team and comfortable with the win Davey, I think Joel's covered it in great depth there, but it's a, the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, the Coventry players did come into Belfast pretty resurgent. We we expected a lot from them, and to give them their juice, they weren't that bad at all. No, I, and I did. I guess I had the little conversation with Joel on <laughs> Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever. Sort of seen as post match. What game, what game were you watching, mate? Um, you know, but I, I, I don't think it was as comfortable as it could be. Certainly, once we got that shorty with sort of 10, 12 minutes, whatever left, we, we were able to take a little bit of a foot off and kind of get a bit of energy back for towards towards thinking towards Sunday. You know, I think the, the two guys that Joel interviewed and, and Laker and, and Rainer probably got it right because... Comrie did set off. They wouldn't necessarily say they tried to trap us, but they, they, you know, they set off. weren't really letting us come almost to the blue line. If you like, halfway between the red and blue line before they sort of tried to do any. So we our our D did have a lot of time to transition. And I suppose from Lakers' point of view, whenever they were getting the puck, there's there's eight or ten players, you know, in that zone, all all fighting for space. We got our goals from transitioning quick. That Lewis hook, you know, that that combination between. Um, I think it was Hookie and Laker in the first, maybe Hookie and Wardy on the second. You know, good to see with with Jupes going down and Lewis Hook having to step up, probably playing maybe five or six more minutes ice time on on um, Saturday night than perhaps he's been getting lately. So good to see him earning and and earning more ice time because you put him out there and he's he's showing that he's more than capable of doing it. Kieran Long getting a little bit more ice time. He started to get a bit of power play time as well lately as well. So you know all these good things when. We have been solid defensively all season. Maybe bar one or two games where we'd probably like to have been a wee bit more solid domestically anyway. Um, and we just weren't getting the goals. Now we're 
getting conceding one goal, two goals, and and we're getting four, five, six, whatever goals during the game. So it's that stands us in good stead going forward. I don't think it was. I think I I spoke to Rob Place there after the game on Saturday. Night. I, says, I just think we were marginally better, fine margins that I was talking about in the five game. In all three areas, I think our goaltending was better. I think our defence was better. I think we transitioned better than they did. And I think our forwards took their opportunities. We got those great A chances and we scored them. We put them away. That Brian Ward one where he's, he's kind of lifted it up over um, Jimmy Phillips and Nets was a, a lovely, lovely finish. And you know, getting the shorties always good when you're when you're shorthanded and you get a goal. It shows that you're, you're penalty killing well and you've got the right guys on the ice at the same time. Bobby Farnham's class on the penalty kill. You know, I think somebody's described him you know, in terms of, of previous players that have been here, we we have always had really good penalty kills. When you've got a coach like Adam Keefe, you, you know, know that there's going to yep. be guys yep. in that mould on the penalty kill. And the result looks a lot more comfortable than perhaps the the performance was. Um, <laughs> so I'll give Joel that. If you just looked at the game sheet, you would, if, if you were maybe on another podcast and you were doing it from the game sheet, you would say it was a comfortable victory. But um, in terms of watching the game, I think that... The, the interviews were correct. It was pretty comfortable from a defence point of view. It was a pretty hard night up front, but we got the goals. And I think those fine margins of just being slightly better in those areas on the night give us a comfortable enough scoreline. Moving on to Sunday, Davey, I'll stick with you in this. You, It's one thing to beat the Coventry Blazers at home, to go away to, to the Sky Dome where they've beaten... Cardiff a couple of times, they've taken wins over Sheffield, Nottingham, you know, they've been pretty solid at home, to come away, score six goals, concede three you know, that's a that's a good performance and Brawl, who was throwing himself about in Belfast, comes up with two goals Yeah, for, for us, the, if you want to look at us and when you look five of our goals, even strength which is great, um, we've depended a lot on special teams of late because we do have that tendency to, to go in that uh, revolving door to the penalty box at times and you know we've had to be really really good on the penalty kill but that that eats a lot of energy and that takes a lot out you know you're not getting your regular lines out guys aren't getting the race time they're not getting settled into the game but on, on the on the flip side of that it's keeping Shane Owen involved in the game you know we, we came out well got another goal from dare I call him the Rain Gretzky you know and uh, three goals three goals in two nights player of the week in the EIHL I don't know if there's any other Twitter that he's won but he, he deserves all the accolades he's got over the last sort of 10 days um, month and, and perhaps even this season but you know we've came out quick we've, we've got the goal they've pegged us back with you know two two really really quick goals and at that stage you think you know, are we tired we've travelled you know you start coming up with excuses in your head what's going wrong here getting that second goal from Swinney absolute what did you, what did you call it thunderbird or something the other night <laughs> you know, an uh, absolute thunderbird you know, to make it two each, that just settled everything down again. And obviously, then we've gone on end of the period four three. My goodness, here! Thank goodness I backed the overs. You know, and uh, <laughs> I would say Sunday, if anything, was a more comfortable victory than Saturday night. Um, despite you know them, them them getting the three goals, I think we were. That, that was one of the first comprehensive road games this season that you can look back on and go on. It was work boots on, road warriors, whatever the old hashtags you want to put. I think we we got contributions from all lines defensively. We're getting great input from the back end at the minute, not just in terms of goals, but in terms of setup plays, in terms of 
letting us pin teams and I talked about it in the five game. We're getting those first man in at times. Um, remember with Doug Christensen did not like the D-man being first man in. Adam Keefe doesn't mind it as long as that third man from the forwards comes high and we're getting that defensive responsibility. How many times did, you know, the commentators over the weekend and both, you know, I can remember Matt for sure too, um, talking about it on um, Saturday night. Great sure. defensive play. Great defensive play by Kieran Long. Great de- defensive play by Jean Dupuy. Great defensive play by Brian Ward. You know, talking about all these guys working so hard on the back check. Uh, and we got that on Sunday night as well. We're getting good buy into the process at the minute. And that's why we're getting six-point weekends. Let's turn the light on the host here for a change because there's there's something in the water whenever the Belfast Giants travel to the Sky Dome. I, if I think back of some of the, the webcasts and some of the away games that we've seen down the years, some of the most absolutely chaotic games have happened in that barn. High scoring, high penalties, high fighting. Paddy, what's your take on Sunday? Because that first period was one of the most ridiculous periods I've ever seen. <laughs> ridiculous periods you've ever seen in a place where we, like you say, we've had you know high scoring games, nine, ten goals. We've had games where goal, winning goals were scored at the depth, uh, the, sorry, the death. You look at um, who was it scored right at the end last season, like with like 10, ten seconds to go. Kyle Bond, you know, it, it's some some you know some absolutely phenomenal games in that because it's a difficult place to go despite the fact you know Coventry may not be competing at the high end that they've been that they competed in the mid 2000s it's still you know Cardiff have seen it this season I say Sheffield Nottingham have seen it this season how difficult the place the Sky Dome is to go I don't know whether that's down to how the players play the, the place is relatively devoid of atmosphere I don't know why <laughs> <must be> the, <laughs> that, that's I'm not even I'm not even just like that's not even just a chirp that's that I think it's so you, you you don't usually hear other blocks. They could be making lots of noise. Whether it's just the the how, the how the rink is, it just usually seems pretty quiet. So I don't know whether that's it, but it's always been a difficult place to go. Sunday's game, I thought, compared to the previous Sunday, where my anger just started to stoke and stoke and stoke through the game. This I, I was very very zen through the whole thing because <laughs> I was like a ridiculous seven goal first period, and I'm thinking, well, we actually look pretty strong here. You know, it's going to be a difficult but if we can get another goal then then I think this is done and we go through the second period and there's nothing I think no and we go to the final period but eventually we, we we actually kick it up another gear I think defensively we're as solid as we've been I think defensively so far we've been great I think Rayner is a phenom at the minute. He's, t- he's not even at the minute. I think this is pushing on the well over. He's what he joined us a- again a year ago. Was it yep. a year ago this month or a year ago the last couple of weeks? And and since then he's been riding it high, really just top 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 level player. And I'll come to the the poke check given as a penalty shot in a second because I thought that was oh absolutely God. ridiculous. But defensively we're looking strong, and that game defensively we looked tight. And Apart from the first period, whenever we no, really didn't play any defense, well, I mean, their their first two goals they were with the left sheen on out to dry just positionally. I think I think that there was an unfortunate level to it as well. You know, puck comes off the skate, and you know, there's yeah, there's, there's various aspects of it that, that that could be mitigated. But I think the real difference between this weekend and last weekend are in the forwards and. The back end of the game against the Manchester Storm last Sunday, uh, I felt that we were afraid to shoot. 
you know they mm. put they put in long in in put on long in nets and we were giving up shots we we're passing it off to try to maybe find that perfect shot and not taking the pot shots that we could or not finding the net that we should this time we're actually more confident in front of the net we were we were creating the space we were taking the shots on and um okay i don't think the phillips had the best of games and you look at that last goal before i went out i don't know what happened there it just seemed to float past him but and it's a talk as he took himself out of the game but i think you don't take that we that shot we don't take that in the game against manchester the week before you know, we're not, t- we weren't taking those pot shots to try to get that rubber on net. We were passing those off to try to get a clear, clear lane to shoot in. Um, taking those shots forces the goalie to make a save. Taking those shots forces those mistakes from the goalie. And in this case, it went in. And in this case, we walk away with the, we walk away with the win and a well deserved win because in the back of those three games, as I said, 14 goals scored and five conceded in the last number of weeks where we've been taking a hell of a lot of shots on goal and they've not been getting anywhere near um you know Davy said it says has said it most notably you know somebody's going to get a thumping you know mm-hmm. and the 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 score 14 and concede five across three games is excellent i'm going to come back to that and i'm going to get both views on this uh, kevin rain and the poach check for the uh, for, and the penalty shot that was given joel uh probably the best single defensive play I've seen in the past past year plus. Um, Absolutely no malicious contact whatsoever. Uh, Absolutely turns the jets on to get near the puck and and plays the puck with the stick. Uh, You can't call the penalty just because the the blaze forward crumbles in a heap after. There was no malicious contact whatsoever. An absolutely shocking call. And honestly, I've probably been the quietest about the the standard of refereeing this year and and I try to give the benefit of the doubt, whatever else. But that game on Sunday Sunday was the worst display of refereeing I have seen in a long time in the Elite Ice Hockey League. Rainer was, uh, as I say, single-handed, uh, one of the best defensive plays I've seen in recent seasons. David? My always want to defend. Always want to defend the, the stripe. No, I, I, I think that's pretty indefensible. What I would say is the speed that he makes the call. If you look Within 15 seconds of the start of the game on Saturday night, the Giants turn the puck over, coming out of their own blue zone. It's flipped down the right wing. Sean Dupuis making a back check um, and hits the comedy base player. It's whistled down because the player's obviously hurt. Blake Copeland isn't sure if something's happened. Hasn't called a penalty, but he calls the two linesmen in. He calls the other three in. They have a little tie-wye we'll have a face-off down here. Nobody nobody has seen anything that they think is a penalty. Fine, move on. Kevin Rain makes an absolutely great play. Big stride to get back level with a player. Little stick check, clears the puck. Plays the puck 100%, doesn't touch the player. Uh, and the la- then the ref, I, I don't know if it's, who, who calls the penalty. I can't is remember. Darns. From, is it Darns? Immediately. Immediately, without hesitation, he's coming down the left-hand side as well. Behind calls the, the penalty shot. He has a pretty decent view on it. The the other referee should also be looking straight down the gun of it from the other end of the ice. Should be able to say, obviously agreed with him, or should have been going over to him and saying no. And th- from that, I think at that stage. Don't we get a an on sportsman like as well? Yes, we do because because so, of, because there's a complaint about the legitimacy of the call. Yeah. So okay, 
do we need to be better there? Or in a game where, you know, was the game dead at that stage? 6-3. And just like, well, you know, that would have made it 6. It came with four minutes left. Three yeah, that, minutes that, left. that could potentially have made it 6-4 with a couple of minutes to go. You know, they get the, put the panic tactics, copyright, tail girl 6. Right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, reference. You know, and, you know, you, you just don't know what happens. And I talked about it in the five game. We talked about it in the first commentary game there. The fine five margins that this elite league is now with the parity in it and the points that you need to get on the board all season long. And small calls like that going against you, I can understand 100% why a coach would be frustrated and take a technical minor penalty there. It wasn't and like, sorry. sorry it's, just, it's just the wrong call. There's, there's no... There's no sort of getting around it and defending the the you know the officials in this case. It's just the wrong call. It wasn't the only one. That's the thing. Sorry to cut across. Uh, there was Ben Lake went four three up, uh, and that could have completely changed the game. It was an absolute ghost call. Lake, uh, I think, trips over a body that goes down over on the the left wing in the neutral zone, and somehow that's called charging. The the, the commentators on TV even incredulous about that and I think that's the point it wasn't the only uh, phantom call that could have swung, swung the momentum and changed the game what, what, yes and I think uh, I because I've been listening to football podcasts for the last couple of days and these are dominated by VAR massively <laughs> dominated by VAR and all this stuff you know Roberto Firmino being called for the ball you know his armpit being just offside and all this sort of nonsense however come on come, come, come to football first you should just it should just be where your feet are. By the yes, way. I totally agree. <laughs> The top half your body can't be offside if the bottom half of your body's onside. Just make it simple. Have you ever seen anybody, you know, I think there was a brilliant point on it, just as a side note, brilliant point of the fact that your armpit really isn't anything. It's a nothing. There, your, armpit, <laughs> your armpit's a pit. There's nothing in there. There's there, mm. there, there's underneath. But, you know, you don't score. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, the... um. There's something to be said here about we've had two incidents in across these three games where video refereeing or video assessment would have changed matters, be it a coach's mm. challenge, be it a coach's oh, yeah. challenge, or you know. So you, you look at you look at the the, the non call on the goal, uh, Marson's glove. You know, no no goal line technology for some reason or other. Who knows? Um, that you know, coaches challenge on that. Go away and assess if this was the DEL or if this was on. They would go away. I've seen I've seen the tap and I've seen the referees go off the ice for two three minutes to a room that's away from the rink. They've assessed it. They've come back and they've called goal. They've called penalty. Whatever. They go away. They assess that. They might come back with goal. Likewise, the Kevin Rain penalty. You know, on the penalty shot. That's a penalty shot that you know. Okay, could make it six four with four minutes left to go. So. Does Rainer come back over to the bench, say to Kiefer, I didn't touch him and I got the puck. That's worth looking at. And then Kiefer brings and says, I want to challenge that. Referees not goes sure off. whether the coach's challenge is only on goals, pucks crossing the line. So I'm not exactly sure what the coach's challenge you're allowed to challenge. assess penalties. But see, but then but that's not even a penalty. That's a penalty shot. That's that's to give a clear goal scoring opportunity to the opposition on a basis of what was a phantom call. Really, you know, there should be an a, an assessment or some sort of this is the, well, the top other, league. The this thing, is the top professional league in this country, and there needs to be a better system to look at things like that. The, the other thing on a penalty shot is supposed to be. You file your opponent from behind on a clear goal scoring opportunity. He's, he's side by side. So if anything, if he thinks he's he's 
it's a penalty. It should just be like a two minute minor for tripping or for hooking or whatever, slashing whatever he thinks is going on there. But he's not behind him. He hasn't fouled him from behind. He's almost shoulder to shoulder on him. So it's it's just the wrong call. I think Tom Darn probably knows it was the wrong call when he's seen it back. But what one thing I'm going to do before I wrap all this up is just say that after that call, you're absolutely right. There was a two minute penalty for unsportsmanlike for back chat from Patrick Ronka. His English is coming on leaps and <laughs> bounds, and we know that because here is here is another interview with the fellow that he did earlier this week with our very own Mister Simon Kitchen. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by Patrick Vronka after the 4-1 victory over the Coventry Blaze. And uh, you were presented with uh, uh, a couple of trophies from uh, one of your Polish guys from um, Katowice, uh, the best player and the best forward in the Polish league last year. Um, not bad, is it? Yeah, that was a good time in Katowice. That was nice. Uh, I see my friends from Poland. That was that was good, and uh, I am very happy. But now I have a job here, and uh, I am I am focused, you know. Uh, and oh, all good. Yeah, all good. Uh, Coventry game tonight. Um, tough game, yeah. uh, but good. You come out on the with the two points. Yeah, that was a good team. Uh, tomorrow will be will be a heavy game, but I think uh, we play good now. Yeah, we have six row games. Uh, win, yeah, six or five. Five, nine, but six tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, six tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good team. Uh, but we have problem in away sometimes. But uh, I think we'll be tomorrow good. And uh, tonight you, uh, you had a good game, but you played against one of your ex-teammates in uh, Yanni Lakinen from last season. Yeah, he's good, uh, good guy, good player, good passer, you know. Yeah, nice to see you, and, and well, it's all, all good. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, thanks very much. Good luck Thank tomorrow. You. Thanks very much to uh, Patrick Ronker for that, and like I say, his English is coming on brilliantly. Um, highlights from this game, Coventry Blaze. TV. Uh, the Giants boys are 18 points from 22 in the league. Dropped four points across those 11 games. They're strong place in the league already. And despite the fact that you know, they are so strong, they've they've bolstered their D by today announcing the signing of Ryan Lowney, 25-year-old American D-man who's joined from HKM Zvolin in Slovakia, um, a former teammate of Curtis Leonard at Fort Wayne. And he had a chance earlier on today to chat with Mr. McJimsey. Ryan, welcome to Belfast. Welcome to View from the Bridge. It's great to have you along. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited for this new journey here. Ryan started the season in Slovakia, obviously, but the opportunity has uh, came about to play in Belfast, and you've grabbed that opportunity with both hands. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, I started a year off in uh, Slovakia. and decided to change my path a little bit, and uh, the opportunity came up in Belfast, and I quickly jumped on and I was super excited uh, to be a part of it now. You've had a, a day or so now, maybe not even that much. You've, have you seen around the rink, seen the facilities, liking what you're seeing so far? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I walked around a little bit, uh, explored downtown with a few of the roommates and uh, got to see the rink. Um, the equipment manager, Taffy, showed uh, showed me around a little bit. And uh, yeah, I've not been disappointed, that's for sure. It's been a very pleasant uh, pleasant view I've seen so far. And hopefully those roommates are helping you settle in. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're great guys. We already chatted a bunch already, and they've helped me out a ton, you know, uh, moving in and everything. So they, they've been uh, they've been warm, welcoming, and uh, uh, seem like good guys. 
I was chatting with uh, Mark Lefebvre earlier on, who will have seen quite a bit, yet, bit of you from your time in Fort Wayne. He was saying, you know, you're a good puck moving D-man. You should excel on the on the power play. Is that a is that a fair analysis? Is that what the fans can expect from you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I try to, you know, being a smaller defenseman, I, I try to be as most offensive as possible. You know, I try to help out getting the puck. You know, just moving forward to the forwards, getting getting them opportunities as much as possible. Yeah, contributing on a power play, like you said. Um, you know, when I forget that opportunity, I like to, uh, I take pride in it, and I like to, you know, uh, help out as much as possible. And of course, uh, uh, no stranger to you, one of your new teammates, an old teammate in Belfast, uh, Curtis Leonard. Um, hopefully, hopefully he vouched for you when, whenever we're looking at you. But um, did you reference him before you came here? Or did you speak to anybody else within the league before you made the move? Um, yeah, I, I talked to actually right before. Uh, Right before the season started, me and Curtis talked a little bit about uh, Belfast in general. Um, Keyford reached out to me and talked to me a bit as well. Um, and I had already signed in Slovakia at the time, but I, I talked to Curtis Leonard uh, about it. And I, you know, Curtis is a great guy; he's a great player. Um, so I reached out to him and talked to him about it, and he helped me out, gave me a little uh, insight on everything. And obviously, he he is he's uh, he loves the city here too as well. So he had nothing but good things to say. I know the accent can be difficult, but it must be just slightly easier to play your hockey. Maybe a little easier to settle in a country where, I guess, English is, is you know the main is the main language. Even though the accent, as I say, is hard to understand, you know that'll help you settle in well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, the accent is uh, it's going to be something to get used to, but uh, you know, it's it's nice that everyone speaks English here, and it's easier to understand. You know, we don't have to battle through words just to try to communicate with someone, but. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 definitely been uh, it's actually fun. I, I, I enjoy it. And it, it must just you just must be looking forward to getting going now, getting the getting the skates on and, and getting the wheels turning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm here and I'm all set, getting all settled in and everything. I'm just ready to you know, get on the ice and you know help the team out as much as possible. Be able to um, you know play and uh, just uh, have some fun. And you've probably since the the opportunities came around, you've probably been having a little look on the websites and where the standings are and. And you see, it's a, it's a it's a nice deep team that we've got here, and it'll be great that you're able to come in and supplement it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I, I obviously did a little research before I came in here, and I saw you know who, who's on the team and everything like that. And I'm hoping just uh, you know to do my part in it, help out as much as possible, and hopefully be beneficial to the team. Well, listen, Ram, we really appreciate your time on on basically your first day in the Belfast, and uh, we wish you every success while you're here, obviously, and uh, look forward to catching up with you really soon. Much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get going here. Thanks very much to Ryan. Uh, Davey, I'll start with you in this one. You, you had the chat with him there. The Giants are in that strong position, 18 points and 22, and now they've bolstered their D with a player like Lowney. Yeah, um, good to see that we're, as Rob, Rob on Twitter earlier on said, we're we're not sitting on the pot um, when we're <laughs> in a in a position of strength. You know, we've we've got ourselves, dragged ourselves up towards the top of the standings despite, you know, some rumblings that we weren't playing that well. Um, we're right up there at the top of the league. We're through the quarterfinals of the, the Challenge Cup. CHL campaign's behind us now. And we're we're strengthening what was already a very, very decent um, roster. Um, Ryan comes in, as you say, from Slovakia. Maybe having a little chat to him earlier on there. You know, maybe just having that, being away from the States for the first time in the country that doesn't speak English, maybe just not settling in the very best. So a, a little change for him might just help kickstart a season and an experience from him playing overseas. So, you know, he's played with Curtis Leonard, obviously, before at uh, 
in the ECHL his, his numbers were pretty decent um, yeah. we've talked to a friend of the show Mark Lefebvre about him earlier and he was saying you know a really good depth guy he'll be able to play on the power play he moves the puck really well he skates well he's, he's not a huge guy 5'8 something like that but only 25 another one off the, the NCAA conveyor belt you know it seems to be coming through Belfast of late so uh, you know it'll be interesting to see see what we do with regards to where he fits into this roster currently you know do we do we set a D man or do we push the likes of Gary back up front and set a forward? Gives us lots of lovely op- options. You know, talking to Gary on the podcast obviously later on, and you know he has that strings to his bow, uh, strings to his guitar, I guess, um, <laughs> where he can where he can play forward, he can play D if needs be. So you know, it gives us that that option where you can you can bring the bring the D man in if you want to and play that almost all import defensive core and. And play one of the Brit guys up front. Should it be Gary Center? Probably more likely to be Gary than Swinney because you know it would be more of a center you're looking for probably up front because we're we're blessed with a a good quantity of of high quality wingers. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting just to see where he slots in. And and uh, I guess the the hard decision there is you know will we I'll leave this one over to Joel? Will we stay with um? Will we continue to carry two extra imports or will someone eventually be? Be maybe looking for another job around Europe themselves. It certainly also gives the Joel the 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 coach a headache that is not a bad one to have is the fact that there will have to be two healthy scratches. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to tell, uh, and and you know far be it for me to even try to guess. You know the the inner dynamics of of the roster and and who who may or may not be happy or whatever else. I've I've heard nothing. I know nothing. All I know is that. If someone comes to Belfast on the recommendation of Curtis Leonard, that is good enough for me. Uh, Lenny could recommend a dog on our D-lines, and I'd be like, yep, let's go. Lenny says it, so let's do it. Um, love to see the the numbers in Fort Wayne that he had. You know, Davey mentioned there that uh, he, he could be a, an asset on the power play. You've got a, a sort of offensively-minded D-man, and goodness knows we've seen that pay off with, with guys like Josh Roach. Um, he, he could maybe play that kind of Cali Ackard role uh, on, on the power play and, and give us just another, another threat there. Um, but look, yeah, o- overall, it's just great to see the club pro active and keeping things rolling while we're on this hot streak and and uh, not being scared to open the wallet whenever it's needed um, which is something that now and again the odyssey trust can be criticized for from some departments you know oh we should be spending more blah 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 this is a direct response to that look we need this the coach needs it we've gone out and got it and and all is rosy in the garden hi there this is kevin rain number 22 of the belfast giants and you're listening to a view from the bridge Time for the final agenda brought to you by our friends at Belfast Giants TV. And this week, a man, well, it's his testimonial year, and it'd be a miss of me. Or I'm sure Davey would mention he's a two time rookie of the year. He's mm-hmm. the man with the guitar in his hand, the minstrel of the Belfast Giants. And on the 11th of February, we have that testimonial again. We're delighted to welcome back to you from the bridge, Mark Garside. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? Good, mate. Good. So, before, obviously, there's a lot going on this year for you with the testimonial. That's where we're going to, we're going to get to that in a, in a short while. But first, let's have a look back on the last couple of weeks uh, between the CHL and on our run the last couple of days and a couple of weeks in the league. Things are starting to pick up for the Giants. Yeah, I think it. You know, we kind of we had those few away games there where we lost a few games, and I think in those games we were we probably carried the play in a lot of them, and we played pretty well. I think there was only really two games we didn't play well and we just seem to 
lack a bit of confidence in front of the net, but the last few weeks we seem to have got that back, and especially last weekend we played we played really well. Did the CHL have any effect, or what was your opinion on on the games? No, I quite liked the games, especially going away. You know, the first few games was good at the start of the season to play really good opposition like that. I think that puts in good stead and the way they wanted to play, and you can see against teams, although those first couple of games we maybe we lost, we carried the play like. You know, the, the one game against Dundee, we lost at home. They only had 15 shots on there or something. So the, the way that they, or the way that we had to play against them was quick, and that was that kind of got us ready well for the season, I think. Guy, CHL v Continental Cup, what would your own preference be to, to play those early season home and away, sort of, you know, getting to Slovakia and just having the one-off game and the Germany back home again, or going for that weekend where you play three games in a weekend and sort of maybe twice over the season? Um, I actually the format of it I don't mind either really um, I preferred the CHL in terms of the quality of play and stuff that we're put, the teams we're playing against were obviously a lot better than we'd played before whereas the Continental Cup now with that CHL not many teams you know from the top leagues are playing in it anymore so the CHL for me is definitely where it's at Gary, obviously a testimonial year. Uh, it's, it's something that we've seen quite a lot in the past few years as, as sort of the, the the 10 years ago crop of, of notable giants kind of uh, come towards the end of the careers, I guess. I think you've got a, a good few years left in you. Um, I, w- I just want to know, though, having seen the testimonials and being involved in a few of the nights and stuff, what's it like in the background? How stressful is it to try and put two teams together and get everybody free and, and the logistics? It must be like organizing a wedding. It's pretty much exactly like that. You know, I, I really <laughs> coming in and just getting everything sorted, to be honest. <laughs> but no, no, it's, it's pretty stressful. I mean, obviously, it's still quite far away in February. So the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, inviting guys. They can't really get the holidays right now. They can't give you a, a for sure until maybe a few weeks down the line here. But uh, as far as everything else goes, like merchandise and stuff, that's pretty much all, all sorted for now. And then, Everything's sort of slowly falling into place. It's sort of, you know, I talk to Sheds and Murph and they're like, you know, it feels like nothing much really happens and then everything happens at once. So <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for the everything happening at once right now. Uh, and it would be remiss of me not to at least try. Uh, do you have any exclusive signing announcements for a view from the Bridge, the Elite League's not podcast, uh, and obviously you being a friend of the show, you've got to have something. <laughs> I think that was like a, have you got something? Give me something. <laughs> I've got to try it. Come on. I've got a few but uh, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back from um, a, a few players just about whether they can get holidays, but uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, enthusiastic, yeah, I'll definitely come if I can get the holidays type. So there's three or four guys just waiting on right now like that. I'm not naming names in case. <laughs> uh, we'll go to. We obviously put out for Twitter questions from people to see what they want to ask you, Gary. And uh, well, let's. I'll, I'll grab a couple of those. Matthew Harvey, uh, if you could play a different sport professionally, what sport would that be? Uh, football. I think that's. Oh, more, is that is that is that is that a, a love of football or a financial thing? No, I really liked playing it when I was growing up. But although I will say though, the caveat would be if it was like five aside football. If that was professional, that would be my dream. Well, like traveling the world, I'll playing on beaches and things. stuff? What's that? Traveling the world, playing on beaches, like beach football and stuff? Uh, yeah, kind of, but without the beach. From Scotland, you don't play on the beach. No, fair point. Fair mud. point. <laughs> um, 
in Macaulay, in your 10 years as a giant, who's been the best giant you've ever played with? Um, tough one, but I think in the last few years, I've really stepped up. The whole league really has stepped up in terms of quality, but Paddy Dwyer was something else. Like he could, The way he controlled the puck and the way he could move sort of without, um, without really taking a big stride or anything, he would just keep his feet on the ice and protect the puck. He was unbelievable at that. And also, when Jimbo first got here too, he was... Really good in terms of his sort of composure and stuff like that. It was unbelievable. So those two guys, you could definitely tell they played, you know, you know, half a century a game or half a five hundred games sort of in the NHL. You know, they were they were unbelievable. Interesting to say, you know, about how the last couple of years the league stepped up. Is that basically on your standard of general import that have come in? And I guess a follow up to that as well is you guys, the British guys, have also had that step up shown in the uh, in the World Championships. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say the higher import limit has probably increased the depth of squad quite a bit. And then I just think that the probably the money has increased over the last 10 years to the point where, and, and even just the sort of, all the teams have the sort of schooling program stuff going on like that as well. So we're able to attract good players from good leagues now. So it's uh, it's definitely, you know, when I first started, there was only 10 imports and we were lucky to, I remember, we were lucky to get guys sort of out of the AHL or out of higher leagues, whereas now quite a lot of players are coming sort of, you could say, sort of down from those leagues to do their school and throughout the league as well. So it's definitely a higher standard. And the Brits that have been able to maintain the place and teams, all of them have improved up to that standard as well. So that's why you've seen the the sort of improvement in the GB team, I think, in the last couple of years. Uh, Gary, something I want to go back to, I think whenever uh, whenever it's all said and done, someday down the line, uh, you'll be remembered in the annals of Belfast Giants history for being the, the cool, calm and collected one between Adam Keefe and Daryl Lloyd, uh, the famous Bash <laughs> Brothers line. Uh, Keeper, right. talked about your role in that line last, uh, maybe, was it last week? Last week on the show. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm keen to know your memories of playing in that line and the absolute chaos that it must have been. I, I will say I remember playing on, together with them. I remember the first game we played in Cardiff, and it was in the BBT. You know that kind of like the tiny ice pad and yeah. quite a, a loud crowd and stuff. But they were they had a team well known for being really physical. And know I, I always remember those two guys just went in there and absolutely gave it to them, and their fans were not happy, and it was hilarious. <laughs> and they were you know effing and blinding at them when they're coming off the ice, and Keith was. Doing that, doing like the intimidator role type thing, and Lloyd is skating around crushing guys. I was like, I was just like, wow, look at these two, what a pair of mutants! <laughs> but no, it was good fun to play on that line because obviously we knew exactly, well, I knew exactly, you know, the way that they played and stuff, and we kind of got used to each other, and it was, it became sort of second nature after a while to, you know, you knew you knew what each other were good at. And, what we're going to get up to every night. It wasn't really a surprise to anybody, you know, chipping pucks in deep and going and for checking hard. It was a, uh, it was quite the line. I'll say that. <laughs> quite the line. Couple more from Twitter. Um, music related. Let's go, Thomas Burnley. What What was the very first song you learned to play on the guitar? Uh, very first song I learned to play was a caveat to this. I remember in the second year of high school in Scotland, you kind of just you have to take every class there. So obviously, you take music. And you had to play or learn to play a song, guitar. The song was House of the Rising Sun. But the first song, oh. actually, <laughs> ah, Real Bond. 
the first song I learned to teach myself, I think, was Half the World Away by Oasis. By Oasis tune? Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. that's, but, but that's like, I guess it's of that age, because I have a guitar, and that's probably the first song, well, or an Oasis song was probably one of the first songs I learned to play, because it, you got the books, or you learned about that, and it was that type of era, those type of tunes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they definitely popularized the guitar again, I guess, in the 90s and stuff. And their stuff's really simple too, so anybody picking up can can get stuck into their tunes. Gary, sticking with music, uh, I don't know if you saw Shane Owen's Instagram takeover today, but there was a fantastic clip of Bobby Farnham playing some uh, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga on the piano. And uh, well, I think the noise is coming out of his face. We're singing, but that's that's for uh, Bobby to tell. Um, the, any any sort of uh, any, any sign of a duet between you and Farns? I think the fans would pay good money to see that as part of your testimonial celebrations. Well, I was actually planning the night before. Traditionally, we'd have the dinner. Uh, and then do the draft and stuff like that. But uh, I think this year I'm going to get a band together and we're going to do yes, the draft then, let's uh, go. So that's I'm what the people want. Yeah, you know, you asked for it. There's, I thought I'd give it there's the exclusive. Go. There's the exclusive. But no, if uh, if Bobby wants to get up on stage and play a bit of piano and play a little ditty, <laughs> also uh, I think Matt Pellick plays guitar as well. So you know, it's open open to giant players if they want to come up and play a little song. Have at I it. Could, could not be more stoked on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was after a, uh, a, a one of the golf events. I remember Kevin Westgarth getting up and trying to play guitar. It wasn't very good. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> play, um, wagon wheel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on! Ugh, guy yeah. lands in Ireland for a couple of months and suddenly he's Nathan Carter. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get mace up. I was there. I was there in the John Hewitt when the super group of Mark Garside and Jeff oh, Mason. Yeah. I saw Mace with my own subsequently eyes. retired from guitar. Uh, the, the four chords of doom. <laughs> oh, you learn three chords is like I've had enough. <laughs> Guy, Joe, Joe was was saying there earlier on about you being one third of that Kiefer and, and Loiter line, and you were talking about first uh, first experience in the in the gross little tent down in Cardiff. There, you know, over five hundred games yourself for the club now, coming up on two hundred points. But want to take you. 16th of March, way back when. David Lingley has a little hit on you, and it gave us some of the best footage ever where you spin around and threw the gloves up in the air. What were you thinking? Um, do you know what I was thinking, actually? I remember it all starting. Um, I think they won the league night before. But um, Lloyd Ian was just doing his playing the same way. I don't think they really liked it because he, he was just him, guys. That's what he did. Anyway, I think one of the players ended up sort of skating around the ice after him and then we ended up in a big sort of ruck and Kiefer was getting grabbed by a big player. I can't remember who it was. And there was another player behind him. So I kind of like grabbed that other player just to sort of... And I was like, here we go. This is just going to be a wee, a wee huddle and I'll be all right. I'll just stand here and grab this guy and look like I'm actually doing something, but really I'm trying not to. And then... <laughs> David Link comes up from behind me, lifts my helmet off and like jabs me in the back of the head. And I think at that point I was just like, I couldn't really not fight him at that point because it just looked like an idiot or, you know. <laughs> but it didn't really end that well for me. So the shoulder dislocated with sort of two punches in and that was that. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was the end. That was just coming, to, as you say, end of the season. So you missed the playoffs as well and probably yeah, a little bit of time with G, GB too, which was pretty unfortunate. 
Yeah, I missed the GB, and then the shoulder actually wasn't really that good for another, you know, probably like a good ten months after that. I didn't feel the yeah. same again, so it wasn't a, a very good outcome. Although he did get good footage out of it, like you say. So some of the best footage that, that Neil Whitehead ever uses. He uses that time to review. That's slow mo, man. Slow of you kicking the gloves off. <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I was just going through the. Just that. going through the numbers the other day. There, whenever you came up on, on five hundred games, and you've unbelievably missed only only eighty three games through your career with the Giants. I thought it was actually going to be a lot more, but you know, you, but for the the sort of the shoulder injuries and other little. Little niggles here and there. It could have almost been six hundred games, and you know, over the over the ten years, you must have had some like real highlight, real moments that you you look back on with fondness. Uh, of course, I mean, I always remember that first game we played Sheffield on a double header at home to win the league. Yeah, my second season, that was an unbelievable feeling to win that. I mean, uh, I'd come from Edinburgh, and we'd you know, I remember the first year I played in Edinburgh, we were last, and then we were sort of like you know always knocking around the bottom, so. Coming to Belfast, I knew that was what I wanted to do, was win trophies. In the first year, I think we came up short by a point. Mm. Um, although there was two teams above us. I, mean, I think Sheffield won it on like goal difference or something like that. Yeah. And then we lost out in the semi-finals of playoffs. And I'm pretty sure we lost in the final of Challenge Cup that year. Although I might be wrong. But anyway... It was the 80s year we lost in the Challenge Cup final. Um... There was a, there was another time before that we lost in the yeah, Challenge Cup yeah. final as well. Like, I can't really remember. So try to blank these ones out, you know. I know that's what I mean. I can't really remember, but I remember feeling like the disappointment that first season of not actually getting to lift the trophy. And the next year, you know, we went through quite a lot of injuries and changes and stuff like that as well. It was such a euphoric feeling at the end to win it on the ice in Belfast. It was unbelievable. It's, um, it's actually the likes Kiefer. Well, had Kiefer recently referenced the same game. Like Darrell Lloyd, the same. Jeff Mason, I think, scored in the first game. Maybe even if he came on a goal from the point in the power play. They, they it's very regularly that. brought up. But um, <laughs> so so many so many guys uh, reference that game. But here we've got um, some questions in from Jasmine Kitchen. Um, you oh, might I... know her dad. You might know her dad. I it's might, uh... um, there's about ten or twelve questions that are like one word answers, quick okay. fire questions. Ready? All right, go. Is it? Is it Jaffa cake, a cake or a biscuit? Oh my god, here we go again. Sorry? It's a cake. Yeah, I would say it's cake. Yeah, what, what colour is your toothbrush? Random. <laughs> White and blue. <laughs> What's the number one thing on your bucket list? Oh, I don't even know. I don't have a bucket if list. Had a, if you had a bucket list, what would the number one thing be? <laughs> if I did that, are we going to... You know when you said there's going to be like a quick answer? I don't really know. Um... Ride Route 66. Okay, number four. Never thought First celebrity. I'm not dying for a while, so I don't have a bucket list. Fair play. <laughs> first celebrity crush. Oh, Kelly Minogue. Ooh. Nice. Favourite AVFTB host? Oh, come on. Wow. <sighs> Favourite superhero? <laughs> same same, same question, isn't it? <laughs> favourite Batman. Favourite First hockey hero? I don't remember this guy. Mark Morrison. He used to play for the Five Flyers. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the other Mark Morrison. Game. No. He played the Flyers years and years he did, ago. Yeah. He did. He and when I, was, when I was about five, I used to go and watch him quite a lot. And he was like the star player back then. 
Aaron Brew or Buckfast? Oh my god. Iron Brew. Gary! <laughs> the one thing that annoys you the most. Bucky. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the last person the last person you spoke to on your phone. My wife. Cargo coffee bagel or square sausage from the East Kilbride shopping centre? Oh, cargo coffee bagel. <laughs> Which piece of technology? <laughs> oh, okay. Last one. Can you sing? Yes. Then sing. <laughs> then sing to us. <laughs> <laughs> that was a yes or no question. You need to pay here, my singing. <laughs> It's all downloadable now. You don't pay for anything. <laughs> you do if it's live. I don't know what gigs you go to. Is that it, David? That's that's all Jasmine Kitchen's question, yes. Very good. Very good, Jazzy. So, thank you very much. Right. you got two games this weekend against the uh, Nottingham Panthers. What are you expecting, mate? Two tough games, I think. I know we played them before. It seems like an age. We played them, well, a couple of months ago now. Um... And we got the upper hand on that game. But, um, you know, as the league stands right now, they haven't been doing as well as probably what they hoped. So we can expect them to come out flying and, you know, really give us a test. Um, but hopefully this is the confidence that we've got scoring in front of net right now. And we've, we've been pretty tight on D all season. So, you know, coming into this weekend, if we can keep that going, hopefully we can get four points. And then, obviously, like I said, 11th of February for the testimonial and plenty of stuff leading up to that. Yes, there'll be an event in December. I think we're going to do the question of hockey in the cinema again. Um, I just need to confirm, but it will probably be the 9th of December. Um, So that event, there'll be some merchandise coming out soon as well, uh, bubble hats and baseball caps type things. So it's all, all a go. Well, good luck with it, mate, and good luck this weekend. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you very much. Thanks very much to Mark Garside. Right, around the league, boys. And I'm actually, yeah, we, we used it last week, and I'm going to use Seth again. Hold on. <laughs> Quite a bit from Dubs this week. Yeah, yeah. A lot of happening. I'm doing my DJ thing of talking in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Department of Player Safety have had a lot of work to do in the last uh, last week or so. Not least the game between the Sheffield Steelers and the Manchester Storm, and an interesting come together between Matthew Gagnon and uh, Michael Davis of the Sheffield Steelers. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen this on. Uh, Twitter or YouTube and the highlights or whatever and it went around at the time uh, of, of some of the stories of what had happened. Subsequently there was a slew foot from uh, Michael Davis uh, that Gagnon responded to a bit of a a bit of a punch up and the results have been that Michael Davis has received six games plus the cost of replacement equipment and uh, <laughs> Matthew Gagnon of the Storm has received five games. I'm actually just going to have a quick read of the uh, regards to Michael Davis of the DOPS determination from the Elite League website because he he gets the one game, he describes the one game for the slew foot and blah, 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 well, category one of Curlis. Then it says, additionally, as the incident concludes, <clears throat> 
As the incident is concluding, Michael Davis picks up the glove from the opposing team, carries it from the high slot area to the player's bench area, wipes his face with the opposing player's glove, then drops the opposing player's glove in front of his player's bench. Considering Michael Davis had blood and a form of open wound, it is absolutely unthinkable what that a player would think res- with respect to his own health about taking a used glove for, of an opposing player to wipe the wound. In respect to the situation, is considered highly inappropriate with no place in hockey. For the incident involving the opposing player's glove, Michael Davis is suspended for three games. And it's also taken into consideration that Davis is a repeat offender. Early in the season, he took upon himself to toss an opposing team's goal peg into the stands. And beyond the, th- beyond the thought of Michael Davis again displaying little to no consideration and certainly no respect for the sport, opposing teams or the elite league, he will be further suspended <laughs> until the repeat offender act under the repeat offender act with an additional two game suspension effective immediately. Uh, Joel Davis takes an absolute hammering from Dobbs. <laughs> I love it when Dobbs gets sassy. I absolutely <laughs> love those lines about he's shown absolutely no respect for you, the league. <laughs> I can't get enough. Go and watch the, the Dobbs video if you haven't seen it on the Elite League website. It's just a, a beautiful bit of shade thrown his way. Um, but look, I, I'm sorry, but he deserves it. He's, he's a repeat offender. Um, and it's dumb stuff. You know, uh, You know, regardless of a player's contribution on ice, if I was a fan of that club, I would be rolling the eyes into the back of my skull at those types of antics. Uh, the slew foot is so blatant. He comes up and over uh, afterwards. Uh, he deserves the beatdown. I'm sorry. Uh, I know I know the beatdown itself was excessive. You know, generally speaking, once a guy's down, probably don't continue throwing hands into his head. And, and he obviously got the nose burst open for it. But you can't act like that and not expect repercussions. I'm sorry. Regardless of how... Uh, you know, we've had these conversations in recent weeks about fighting's role in hockey and, and the, the place of that kind of what some would deem excessive violence. You cannot act like that and not expect for it to go unchecked. And that's what happens. I think he's deserving of the six game ban for those kinds of stupid antics. Um, but I also think Gagnon for the way he replies is worthy of the five. All in all, just another debacle that really shouldn't be the spotlight and focus of a week's games. Davey, the, the, the Gagnon side of it as well, you know, he gets he gets two games for a one man fight incident of basically just getting stuck in and not stopping. But Again, I'm, I refer back to the DOPS determination when it says, Additionally, for no apparent reason, while leaving the altercation to skate towards the exit area of the ice, Gagnon, of his own accord, I, I doubt why it would be anybody else's accord, of his own accord, took, his, took off his helmet and threw it in the direction of the players' benches. Acts like this have no place in hockey. The altercation was over. Matthew Gagnon has one responsibility, to leave the ice with respect. Throwing your helmet is not showing respect. And for the helmet throwing, Gagnon receives three games. Now, wow. I, I know, Joel, you said, I, I know, Joel, you said, you know, five games is deserved. I actually, Dave, he don't think I, that's deserved. I'm this whole incident smacks of Luke had a couple of hours to kill. Um, <laughs> I wanted to make a press, wanted to make a press release. Like, what was it? Joel, Joel called it extra sassy, right? Let's look at, that's my take on Davis first. Slewfoot. Game suspension, no problem with no that. No problem with that. The the repeat offender, therefore, um, for wiping the wiping his face with the glove. The repeat offender, I have no issue with, um, and perhaps getting a game for what he did and a game for being a repeat offender. I think it's in it's it's 
disgusting. It's a bit vile. It's it's absolutely out of order. I think that needs sanctioned with a financial penalty. Agreed. These players need hit in their own pocket, uh, not for a club to play it, for the player to be paying that out of his own wages. Um, I think it has to be a financial. And who who uh, who ultimately here has got the main penalty? Well, it's his club yep. because they can't play an import for five games. Ultimately, it's the people that are paying his wages because they their team has to play short for five games. Um, I absolutely think he should be suspended for the slew food. I absolutely think he should be suspended for the glove incident and the repeat offender. So I think three games and a substantial enough financial penalty would have been the order of the day. As far as Gagnon, <clears throat> um, yeah, he, as, as Joel describes, he throws a few extra hands in when he's, when he's down in the net there. Pick your spots, Davies. If you're going to try and slew food someone and it's Gagnon and then you cross-check him, What's coming next is what's coming next. And he probably, I'm not going to say deserves, because we, we talked about this last week and the dangerous concussions and all this kind of thing. But he put himself in that spot. Um, the suspension for continuing the fight when on the ice, I'm not sure I see that as a spike. I think maybe the game penalty would have been enough. Yeah. See the throw in the helmet? Three games. Two games for punching somebody. Three games for throwing a helmet. Yeah, fair. I, I am. I didn't know that. I didn't know that part. Is not comparable. I don't think it should be two games. Again, I think the two games for the fighting, I can see why Dobbs can argue that. I disagree with them, but, you know, fair enough. There's a a panel of people have sat down there. They've came to consensus. Two games for that incident. He doesn't stop hitting them. There's been other fights around the league recently where people didn't stop hitting and there wasn't suspensions. So a bit bit of clarity there. Throwing the helmet, I'm in the same... I don't think it's the same kind of thing as what Davies did with with wiping his face with the gloves. Nope. I think he should be he should be paying for a brand new set of gloves, by the way. He's, I, I, I think don't... he is. That's part of the actual okay, determination he has to play, um, pay for new equipment. But to me, the throwing the helmet is the same kind of thing. That should be... The player should be hitting the pocket for that rather than missing games. I think the missing games thing has to be to get out of the game... The hits to the head, the blind side hits, yes. the concussion causers. That is why we, that is to me what Dops is there for, to take those things out of the game. Throwing a helmet, I can live with players throwing a helmet at the boards. They didn't throw it at anybody. Nope. It was clear it from the video. It wasn't, it wasn't like, straight, straight to the deck. Yeah, it wasn't a Grimaldi incident. It was you just know, a. It hasn't uh, hit anybody. It hasn't been thrown at anybody yet. It's bad temper. It's loss of discipline. Uh, all those cares? things. If you've done that during a game, it's a. It's a, either a 10 plus game for, you know, a, abusive official, you know, whatever. But to me, it's not as I think that Manchester can find themselves pretty hard done by that they're missing a key guy for five games. Now. They didn't, so. Sorry, sorry, Joel, just to say, but I You're will good. say, though, I agree with you. But are we verging on contradicting ourselves when we were saying about how Valedix got suspension for throwing a glove? We uh, we were doing. Yeah, but I don't think he, I don't think he should have. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what I said on the webcast at the time. Probably because it was against the six games. It was graceful, and we probably touted and sent the video. <laughs> but you know, 
I'm absolutely sure it was on a view from the bridge the next morning. Yeah, and and you do whatever you can to get your team those fine margins. And of course, we talk about things with our, you know, would be accused of the teal tinted spectacles and stuff. On and Joel would know all about specs, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I I I think that I, I think that. Um, yeah, I don't think that was a that should be a game penalty either. When you look back at that, a guy going off the off the ice was it after a fight or was it was yeah. after a, a, a bad hit or something. Throw your glove up in the air, wise up. You know, you're missing a game for that. That's that's something where I think Top should have a realistic financial, um, you know, what, what would you call it? <laughs> Give me Section. a word. Yeah, but a, like a, a list, you know, for your help. Tariff. Game, 300 pounds. Tariff. Thank you, Patrick. Well done. No. Um, but that there, there should be tariffs for those things. They, obviously, there can't be a tariff for wiping your face with a, with a glove. <laughs> you know, bloody that, face with a that has glove. To, that, that's just a unique case where the, the fine couldn't be big enough. That that, that guy actually kind of deserved it. I deserve that. You know, he's really, really let us come down. But like, we're we're digressing here. This, yeah. Sorry, Joel, I interrupted you. You were going to come in with something. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold my hands up just to know. Uh, saying I, I mustn't have read the Dobbs report in enough detail to know that there was a three game for throwing a gl- or sorry for throwing a helmet. Who even cares? But I, I think that the severity of Gagnon's suspension overall, to me, is. Maybe not uh, to the extent of five games, but he deserves a, a weighty ban for the nature of that violence. Because, I mean, a one-man fight is an assault. And uh, if you look at other sports, if you look at certainly cer- certainly rugby, if you look at rugby league and stuff, those incidents where a player has punched someone whose head is against a firm surface, like that has been national headline stuff. You know, it's it's serious violence. And, and if you're talking about head injuries and knocks to the head and concussions, there's nothing more dangerous than pounding the head from someone who is not a willing combatant whenever he's down on the ice. I agree, right? To an extent. And I'm one I'm one of the ones that's been banging on about, you know, full face guards and taking the head hits and taking fighting and all this idly game. But while it's there, if Davies comes in and he manages the slew foot gagnon there and he goes backwards and he bangs his head or whatever. Oh yeah. While while players are still not within the rules, because if you fight you get a penalty. You know, fighting is, people say, oh, you know, fighting's part of the game. It's not. If you fight, you get a penalty. You go and sit down, you get thrown out of the game. So it's not part of the game, but it's a tolerated to a certain extent, if you like. It's tolerated with, if you fight, you're taken out of the games for five minutes, you're taken out of the game for two plus five plus ten, or you're sent to the changing rooms, you'll get a suspension. And in these cases, you've got two or three nights off. So it's 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 getting much more frowned upon. But Davies has to pick a spot, or he can't go in slew foot, throw a major cross check to the arm, and and then just go. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. You know, the, the game still an absolute battering. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> so he's he's, he's kind. Of, I'm not going to say he's got what he's deserved, but he's got what he's got paid back by the game. Oh, definitely. He, it's know, those extra shots, though. Once you're on the ground, that's when it uh, serious safety. You know, there, there was a there was a fight in yeah, I think it was the NHL last night or the AHL. Where and I, I watched it on one of those one of those Facebook forums that I'm on today, and it was like it was it was Cadre from was Colorado him. Avalanche. You know, um, he gets in their fight, and yep. the guy feeds him his, his dinner when he's laying down on the ice, and it's like, well, what about the code? What about the code? And it's well, Cadre's a wee. <laughs> thing. Go ahead, go ahead, and go ahead. Uh, you know, so I know I'm digressing <laughs> here, but it's like 
it's you know, with the game at the minute, while they might be trying to get that out, the game will pay you back if you pay respect. And Davies didn't pay his respect, so he got taught some. The, you know, for me, the three three games for throwing a helmet. Geez. Yeah, that's nonsense. Um, Not saying he didn't deserve he, he it. Throws it. He throws it with, I don't know if you've he throws it with a good bit of aggression, but it's not at anyone or it doesn't hurt anyone. You know, I could see if he's hit somebody with it, I could see the penalty, but I just don't agree. Yeah. Uh, the Sheffield Steelers will be without two imports in the next game in a lesser event. Mark Olivier Valorand was assessed a one game suspension for, uh, yeah. was it, what's it deemed to be? What's it, what's that, what's that suspension deemed to be for? Uh, Cross check to the back of the head. Yeah. See, was... for me, for me, oh. the, the Valorant incident is, as bad as the Gagnon. The the guy I, I can't remember who it is from it's from Guildford, Guildford. isn't it? Against Guildford. Can't remember who it might be Ben might Owen be Griffiths. Ben Davies. Owen Griffiths. Owen Griffiths, okay. He lays a, a absolutely fine check on the on the back wall behind the net. They both fall over. And he borderline well they've said it's a punch rather so they they have obviously established that the other hand doesn't quite get on the stick. But he goes to cross check him. Yes. In the back of the head and Correct. punches him hard and then punches him again. To me, it's just by fluke that his face doesn't actually hit the ice. You know, obviously in the in the Gagnon incident, when he's fed him his dinner, he obviously has either caught him with a glove or he's hit his head off the, off the ice. And we've seen with that Bruins game during the week just how dangerous, how hard ice is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's dangerous. But what Balran's done there and only got a one. So I can, I was always told by Seth Bennett to never compare apples and eggs you know they're, they're separate incidents you can't really say well he got three games for that so he should have got three games for that but for me for Gagnon they end up with five games for punching a guy a couple of times and throwing a helmet and Valorant to get one game for what just by pure chance pure chance didn't end up with exactly or worse repercussions for the the other guy in the one man fight if you like to call that you know those those two things don't tally up for me. Well, Mark O'Valorand at Valleytown15 has had his own say on Twitter daily. Retaliation for a body check. We get checked. We're hockey players. It's our job. Want to protect players? Stop them from using their sticks as wood choppers. But hey, these are my own personal thoughts. Obviously disappointed with his own one game suspension. Despite the fact that I agree with you, I think he's lucky to get one game. Joel? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty unnecessary um the, the i've watched the video back before record tonight uh, and it's and it is i mean it's a clean shot to the back of the head davy's 100 percent right and the, the the two don't stack up side by side there um i think lucky for the one game uh but definitely deserving of the one game if not a couple it's just it's just the kind of nonsense stuff that uh that the, the the league and the game doesn't need regardless of whether fighting itself has a place this sets completely aside from that it's it's not the same um it's just a, it's just a mugging for no point really uh one other thing from Dobbs, which i'm just going to say is that jeff hutchins received seven games for an off ice incident between uh, after the five game in nottingham obviously one of those games was the game against us midweek uh no further details as to what the, they were for uh challenge cup it's all but decided um dundee have already made their choice as the top as the number one seed and they've chose the Glasgow clan uh, to face in the quarterfinals. Fife are the only team thus far eliminated. Coventry and Manchester will play in a inverted commas play in 
game to see who stays <laughs> in the competition. That will be a one-off game either in Coventry or in Manchester. Coventry need one point from the remaining games in the Challenge Cup group, which is still not finished. I think they play Guildford at home. Guildford have already qualified. If Coventry get one point out of the games remaining, they will host that, inverted commas, play-in game. Um, uh, I spoke to Davey last week about it. Joel, your thoughts on the Challenge Cup format? Uh, it's pure EIHL behavior, isn't it really? It's That's an unnecessarily true. complicated format. Uh, you could essentially phone all of those group games in, phone them in, play a bunch of kids, whatever, uh, concentrate on the league, and then still end up with a one game to get, to get you through to the next round. Uh, there are, I think we could devote an entire show to better Challenge Cup formats than what we've currently Two got. Two groups of five, top four from each side. I mean... <laughs> Is that not the most sensible, straightforward way of doing it? And anyway. there it is. Yeah, uh, I think I think we all share the play in game. Inverted commas. <laughs> uh, notable results from last weekend: Fife hammered Cardiff in five five one before the Devils beat the Stars three one with an empty net goal. Um, Sheffield and Guildford split the points with regulation wins at home for each. And uh, the clan took a tight 3-2 home win over Dundee in their only game of the weekend. Uh, Davey, the Giants, we said, are on 18 points from 22 in a league table that's shaping up well. We've still got a few games in hand. Yeah, and it's still really, really early days. Uh, you, you, I think you'll see Cardiff creeping up that league. We're doing a bit of frustration from their fans at the minute. Yeah, and um, you know, to the same extent that there was a bit of frustration from like it was bumpy towards the end of the Challenge Cup, but you know, teams are getting going. Guys are getting their legs under them. It was a difficult CHL start to the season. Playing, you're trying to play CHL one week. You're playing in a high scoring Challenge Cup competition. The next night, you're playing shutdown hockey in Manchester in the league. It's it's difficult when you're playing three different competitions three nights in a row, kind of thing. So I think now we're settled in the domestic competition. We've 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 been tight defensively right from the start. We're getting offense now. We're up near the top of the league. It's early. Let's see where we are on the 1st of January. I always say this, you know, I think we're in good position. Let's just get the winter, get those hard. They've got a lot of hard away games coming up here. You know, so let's just see where we are. Just keep the process, stick to the game and just keep it going. Time for the results of October's Player of the Month Award brought to you by Phonacab. We asked you for your nominations on who you thought would be the best player for the Belfast Giants in the month of October. And from the shortlist of four, the winner was Kevin Rain with 41% of the vote. He was presented with his Phonacab, A View from the Bridge, Player of the Month Award in the game against the Coventry Blaze on Saturday. And we spoke to him soon after the game. Joined after the game by a view from the bridge, player of the month, Kevin Rain. Uh, Rainer, first of all, your reaction to that uh, very, very highly coveted award? Well, when you vote for yourself, you, you hope to get it. And uh, unfortunately, I got the bounce and it's been three years in the making and I finally uh, finally got in there. So, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's cool, it's fun and... Uh, 
enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> He's being very humble tonight. Um, obviously, uh, the fans have seen the, the work you've been putting in out there and also getting a little offensive too. So um, just a word of, of thanks to the fans, maybe, who, who voted for you this month. Yeah, I appreciate the fans. I mean, that's, they make everything, right? And so, uh, you know, it's, it's their votes. It's, uh, it's them showing up to the games and it's, uh, you know, really them employing us. And so uh, we owe everything to them. Yep, congratulations to Kevin Rian, player of the month, 41% of the vote. He's clearing up, as Davey mentioned earlier on the podcast, Joel, Dave, uh, Kevin Rian is clearing up all the uh, all the awards this week. The most notable uh, being the View from the Bridge Player of the Month Award. Of, of course, the, the most famous prize in hockey. Uh, actually, a uh, question as do we now have enough data to statistically prove that if you win a view from the bridge, a view from the bridge player of the month, you're going to go on a hot streak? I don't think he's the first. I think there's only one man to uh, to answer that. Stat Mr. Mitchempsey, what do you think? I'm the Stat Man. You heard me? Yeah. Oh, you're just waiting for your bit to come in? Uh, it, it was breaking in my bar, sorry, Mitt. So the question is, is there any statistical analysis that has been done to say that when a, when a player wins, you can see where I'm going with this, Joel, uh, when, oh. when, when a player wins um, the a View from the Bridge um, Phone and Cab Player of the Month award, do they go on a hot streak? Is that the question? Here comes the one-word answer. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will get. I what I will do is I will say I'm going to do no. That's the, <laughs> uh, the best. The best way to do it um, would be to see who the nominations are month on month since it's been done. I think Darcy Murphy and Besco and, and maybe a couple of others were certainly nominated month. Who was nominated Martin a few Nelly. times last month or last oh. year? Somebody got nominated like three, four months in a row and never won it. Um, can't remember. I remember Martinelli was was nominated month on month and never won it, and eventually won it like coming into January, February. Yeah, and I think Besco at the start of last yeah. season as well was sort of in the in the running. And by just, the way, his numbers in Slovakia insane. Yeah, I and seem I, to remember one point six goals against us. He's just doing really, really well. Good luck to him. I just seem to remember Liam Morgan after he won it at the start of the season. God hot. And I just, I, I have a hypothesis that winning the coveted prize in hockey means that you go on hot streak. Hope so. Well, that you can, uh, as a as a budding stat man yourself. Ah, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to touch numbers. You threw a few numbers out in there. <laughs> I sort of sat back thinking, well, they're not accurate, but anyway, let them have them. Um, but, uh, You're taking uh, something we'll go, that you can now look at. On to, Let's on, close the show. On, on, no, on topic, Davey, uh, your take on, on Kevin Wren. Ah, oh, look, Rainer, blocking machine, hit machine, you know, whether those Stevie, all the boys, all the behind the scenes that do a lot of number crunching and, uh, you know, top of the hits, top of the blocks, come up with three goals. He's one goal short of a, a career high tying season. So, you know, if he can come up, plug the onion bag a couple of times uh, over the next uh, six months, he'll, he'll have a career season. And, uh, you know, he left couple of years ago, whatever it is now, not under a cloud. There was things said. He, he answered those critics when he came back. And he answers the critics in the best way possible with his performances on the ice. Um, you know, so fair play to him. And uh, uh, what was it Joel would say? Don't you love to see it? Just love to and see it. And big thanks to Eva Bell for, uh, for, for presenting the award. 
Oh, cute as anything. Yeah, very cute. Um, yep, congratulations to Kevin Ryan, 41% of the vote, and he receives the October Belfast Giants Player of the Month sponsored by Phonicab. Um, right, time to look ahead to this weekend's games just briefly because I know Davey loves this part of the show. <laughs> Two games against the Nottingham Panthers over at the NIC in Nottingham. Um, Saturday, 7 p.m., Sunday, 4 p.m. As always with games in Nottingham, if you're not going to the game, well, there's a, the usual media blackout. So um, I guess Twitter's the only way you're going to be able to follow it. Um, Nottingham, little bit of a little bit of a bounce. They've brought in a new player in uh, in Julian Talbot, and uh, they're looking to probably pick up what has been Joel a pretty rubbish season for them so far. Yeah, only five regulation wins in thirteen games so far. It's leaving them the sort of playoff places. I've no doubt that uh, they will find some at some point during a long season. But um look we're on a hot street right now. Let's keep it rolling. Just get the foot in the throat. Not that we'll get to watch it obviously, but I look forward to refreshing Twitter all weekend long. <laughs> but that's it, Davey, you know uh, We've got that momentum. We've got, we've got very few home games this month. It's uh, you know, but what we do have you know is that momentum to take into the away games. Yeah, absolutely, Paddy. With the uh, you know our, our our away form has definitely picked over up over the last lot of weeks. We're getting we've talked about strength and depth here now with the, with the extra guy coming in on the back end. Shane Owens playing really really tight between the pipes. Um. I, a slight aside, 9th of November, we're playing the Nottingham Panthers. First time we ever played them on the 9th of November, 2002, 17 years ago. Three all tie in the old Super League. So there's just a stat for the on this day in history. But Good stats. Yeah. Nice. Um, stats that you just don't get from the likes of a Joel Neal. But um, <laughs> there's no need for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> I'm under my wing, big man. All. Um, Basically, just reading off a spreadsheet. It's not hard. Um, <laughs> it's uh, hard work was done. Unbelievable! The hard work was all done by Alan Hammer Hamilton back in the day. But um, what a boy! What a boy! You know, yeah. Like it's the Panthers. You know, players when they come in the Belfast should be given like a volume. Just there's the YouTube clips. There's the old programs. There's what the fans think. This is the big one for them. You can have your games against Cardiff and all. It's great. It's cute with all their fans and all thinking they're important now. And, you know, you all games against the Steelers and all. For me, the Panthers will always be the first games I look to is to win the fixtures are. You know, I'll, we always, only a couple of weeks ago there, you know, we had the honor 26th of October and you've Paxton Schulte still tweeting about it, you know, whatever, 17 years later. And, you know, for me, they're, they're my first hit, proper sporting hit, apart from the Blues. Um, you know, but in, in, in hockey they were my first real and it doesn't matter and you've wrote the article it doesn't matter that they, they don't don't hit us back it's cute that they love us back but you know I will always have a proper anger against them you know Freddie Black and we'll have oh, I'm talking about Black right? talking about Freddie Black you know we'll have our jokes about the 26th never forget never forget no, but it, it does burn deep and uh, if you're a sporting fan and we are fanatical about this team by very definition we're fans and uh you know, that's something that will never, ever go away. It'll never be forgiven. It'll never be forgotten. Come on! Let's hit, go. Hit it adored, never ignored, mate. You know that. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's funny. It's what you say about, you know, it's cute about how, you know, Cardiff and all and this, that and the other. I, know I saw a bit of a jibe about 
Belfast Giants have many, uh, many, many rivals over the years. It's like we absolutely have many rivals over the years because when you're riding high in the league and other teams, other teams come along to rev you as fads. You know, it was us against it was us against Coventry going for the league. It was us against Sheffield going for the league. It was us against Nottingham going for the league. It, now it's us. Again, now it's us against uh, the Cardiff going for the league. The common denominator is we're always going for the league. So you're always it's going always to have us. These, you're always going to you're always going to have these fads that come along, and the modern day fad is the Cardiff Devils. But mm-hmm. the long enduring one, I agree with you, is the Nottingham Panthers. And yes, it it's does go back all about the Giants. Always about the Giants. Always about the Giants. Always about chance. Yes, those two games: Saturday, seven p.m., Sunday, four p.m. Media blackout. Keep refreshing Twitter. I guess it's the best we got, unless you're going to the game. Um, any other business, my friends? I think we know what it is, boys. Well, it absolutely has to be the retirement, the official retirement of Matthew Toe. Of course, he, uh, there was a, the unofficial retirement when he left the Guildford Flames and he came back in and joined us in the Belfast Giants. But, Davey, I'll start with you on this one. The the the, the coffee king of Bangor, he is, uh, he's uh, hanging them up. Hollywood now, you know. Well, Hollywood, Bangor, sorry. Bangor, Bangor's just a nice steel shed. It was the first step. You know, first step, you know, you talk about, we had Mark Garside on earlier there, you know, two-time rookie of the year and Matto, two-time retiree. Um, you know, he came back to Belfast, done some great things in his time there. Knew his role, played at the perfection, never got lippy about it. He knew what he had to do, knew where his, where his skill sets lay within the team, what he could contribute and did he have. And I suppose the, the fairy tale for the career is always going to be going back to Cardiff and getting the game-winning goal. Um, I was seeing a video there of, was it Sean McMorrow going mm-hmm. bucked often? in Cardiff and uh, Matt Toad trying to pair up with somebody. But, but like Garcia was talking about earlier, let's just don't make eye contact with anybody here. Just, and, That's right. Hope you, when when McMorrow ended uh, Voss's career. <laughs> hope you get out alive kind of thing. And um, <laughs> But Toy, hell of a guy, hell of a beggar. Those uh, New Yorker and the uh, cup of tea down in Chicago. If you haven't been yet, get there. I'm uh, not just trying to promote Matt's business because it's brilliant. You get fed superbly great atmosphere great wee shop but apart from that he's gone into the uh, end of the mortgage and insurance business with um, another former giant and Paul Sample information's out there on his Twitter look these are kind of things these guys came to Belfast have made it their home if you can support them through helping their businesses out you know help them out family man you know young kid family support not playing hockey anymore he gave it everything he could as he said the phone was on 101 games in a row Adam Keefe scratched them for still went into cargo coffee had free coffees phone never rang toy said look i've got a call of the day here their phone's not ringing so good luck to him in the next chapter heck of a guy heck of a commentator for sure joe <laughs> yeah what can i say that hasn't already been an absolutely top top boy um i was i, I tweeted it whenever He's, he released his kind of official retirement statement, but I was so glad that we got Matt Toe version two. You know, he came to Belfast in, in what was a tumultuous year uh, for the Giants with a, a change in ownership and all of the, the sort of uh, unsavory headlines that went around that. And, and, you know, he never really got a fair crack at it. And he came back just a, a more mature, more experienced hockey player. He put his roots down here. Obviously, his, his good lady wife's from here and he's, he's raising a family now. He's got a, a very successful business going. And then to have done that work as well in the background that nobody knew about to go into the kind of insurance business and stuff. It's 
it's just a, a testament to the guy's work ethic and drive and absolutely no doubt that whatever he puts his mind to he's going to absolutely smash but I'm just uh, I'm glad he's he's chosen here for his home like so many other giants before him and uh, and, and best of luck to him loads of love to Toy. Absolutely, and I'll add my voice to that as well. You know, a, a really good guy, and you know, a, a great hockey player for the belt, not just the Belfast Giants for Cardiff. And you know, it's I remember of Guilford. I remember going to a Manchester Phoenix Guilford game, and I was watching on, and I, I, I ended up meeting his mum and dad, and just having a chat with his mum and dad. And his mum's from Northeast, and I just having a bit of a chat and a good crack with them. And, and then Matt was just a fair reflection of those guys as well, all around top fella, and a great servant the art club and the, the killer of the Cardiff Devils and will always be remembered for that goal and, and, and everything else besides and uh, and that punch up with uh, Conor Varley from the, from the Manchester Storm but the uh, congratulations to him on a great career and uh, wishing him all the very best with uh, with with the business ventures uh, and what, what goes on from there um, is there anything else gents? I just throw in quickly Paddy his Belfast Giants stats as a bookend of this yep. little piece on him. 195 games, 15 goals, 41 assists, good for 56 points, 92 penalties in minutes, one power play goal, and two digs. So, <laughs> not a bad career. I was just about to say all that. <laughs> of course you were a bit uh, congratulations to Toy right and that's a great way to end the show as I said two games in Nottingham Saturday and Sunday 7pm and 4pm respectively if you're not going well you're not going to see it um, but uh, your Belfast Giants will be looking to continue their hot streak uh, to take the momentum in against the Panthers um, big thanks to Ron Lowney Mark Garside Patrick Ronka and the Kevin Rain. Um, if you want to get in touch with us at AVFTB on Twitter, soundcloud.com forward slash AVFTB for all our post games, interviews, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Facebook, you can get us on there. And of course, uh, all the great uh, write ups and uh, game reports and whatnot on kingdomofthegiants.com. Uh, thanks to Mr. McJimsey and to Mr. Neil. Thanks, boys. Welcome. Um, when wherever you are this weekend we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on a view from the bridge